0: Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is episode one of the Navi Design podcast season two. This episode is on the topic of self-awareness. This is a topic that I am super passionate about for so many different reasons, but at the end of the day, Uh, I love talking about self-awareness because I truly believe it is the foundation of everything. It is the foundation of growth. It is the foundation of breakthrough. I would even say it is the foundation of growing in our spirituality. And so in this episode, I really talk about kind of my own self-awareness journey, but I also talk about uh, really the power of self-awareness. And we're going to be going into some other episodes in the weeks ahead. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Check it out. What is going on, you guys? This is Andy Un, and this is another episode of the Nobby Design Podcast. Uh, real quick, if you didn't get a chance to listen to episode zero, Uh, Episode zero is really kind of an introduction into season two, where I do a, a quick recap of season one and just some of the highlights from season one, but I also introduce kind of the theme of this season's podcast. And really the theme of season two is around the word understanding. And I think that this is a real fitting theme for this season for so many different reasons. So, if you didn't get a chance to listen to episode zero, would we'll just say check it out, and I think you will really enjoy it. All right. Well, digging into this episode, we are going to be talking about understanding self awareness. Understanding self awareness, man. So, why are we talking about this topic? Um, For me, I would say just the reality of self-awareness is not only something that I'm very passionate about, but I believe is so crucial in understanding our development journey. Um, You know, when I was with Giant Worldwide, uh, this is really kind of the mantra uh, around coaching and development. And it's simply this, you can't lead yourself until you know yourself. And so to the level that I believe you can truly know yourself or become self-aware is really the degree and the extent that you'll be able to lead yourself. And so I think this is what we're we're, we're all really after. Um, I think if you're tuning into this podcast, you're tuning in because there's something inside of you that really wants to see the fullest version or the fullness of who you were intended to be. And this is why I really want to begin this season with understanding self-awareness. Um, if you're new to this podcast, just real quick, uh, this podcast, the Nobby Design Podcast, is really uh, was really birthed out of kind of my own personal life coaching practice, which is called Nobby Design. And through my journey of coaching, I just really felt like, man, it would be amazing to create a podcast where. Uh, so much of the truths and the data and even the tools of t- coaching should, could really be disseminated through the medium of podcasts. So that's just a quick plug, I guess you could say, of uh, how this podcast even started. But let's just dig right in. Let's talk about self-awareness today. Why is self-awareness so significant? Well, I think self-awareness is incredibly significant not only because of what I just mentioned in the sense of, you know, you can only lead yourself to the extent that you truly know yourself. But I would say even from a philosophical uh, perspective, I think knowing yourself and becoming self-aware is just such a natural key to the journey of life, right? Uh, I believe it was Socrates that said the phrase, know thyself. And uh, William Shakespeare kind of echoed a very similar sentiment when he said, above all things, be true to yourself or to thine own self be true, right? And I think that there's uh, a lot of meaning in those phrases, right? It's when we truly start to become aware of who we are, uh, I believe that it creates a much more robust experience of life. Let me just give you kind of a quick example of what I'm talking about. You know, when we're when we're young or when we're younger, kind of in our teenage years, I would say, really, what we're becoming very aware of is we're becoming aware of the world around us. Right? This is kind of why, in our quote-unquote adolescent years, right, we are developing friendships really kind of for the first time at a deeper level. You know, uh, this is why peer pressure is so strong in our adolescent years, is because. Really what we're becoming aware of is we're really becoming aware of the world around us, right? And then I think something interesting happens in our 20s. I think actually, this is just my personal opinion, is I think our self-awareness journey doesn't necessarily begin, but I think it really goes through a growth spurt in our 20s. And I think when you think about the average, maybe I'm speaking more from an American context, but when you think of the average experience of you know uh, of most of us who grew up in the states or you know even around the world, but in our twenties, what's really happening is we're kind of experiencing life in the vehicle of a greater independence, right? Most of us go to college and we are really independent from our parents for the first time. After college, we are now you know looking for jobs and entering into the workforce or whatever it is that your 20s journey led you to. But really what's happening in your 20s is that shift in that focus from you know being aware of the world around you kind of starts to naturally transition into, yes, you're still aware of the world around you, but I do believe that there is a greater self-awareness that begins in your 20s right you are experiencing different aspects of life you know whether it be through you know more serious relationships or you know working your first job all of these experiences are really kind of these feedback mechanisms that are in a sense giving you feedback on who you are in your 20s my mentor always used to say it like this he said andy what's happening Uh, in your 20s is your 20s are really dedicated to experience, right? And he was saying this more from kind of a mentoring and a coaching perspective, but he was saying the greatest way that you could truly spend your 20s is experiencing a myriad of experiences. Don't be afraid to fail in your 20s, Andy. Go out there, do what you want to do and experience life as much as you can because what's going to happen in your 20s is that Through these life experiences, what's going to happen as a kind of a natural byproduct of that is you're going to become most more self-aware. And so maybe I'm speaking to you right now. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but my guess, using the analytical data uh, of the podcast, is you may be in your mid twenties, you may be in your late twenties, and I'm most likely probably speaking to people in their thirties and even some in their forties, but really what I'm trying to say is this. This episode, I think, is really significant because uh, we're going to be talking about self-awareness and really unpacking it in a way that is practical and relatable and easy to understand. But my my key point here is this, is that through our self-awareness journey, uh, I believe we become more acquainted with who we really are, and we also become acquainted with who we're really not. I'm gonna just share a quick story before we talk about uh, some of the things that I wanna get into today. So I'm gonna just kind of give you a personal uh, perspective on this, and then we're gonna examine some of these key points. So for myself, just kind of riding off of the heels of what I just shared, you know, when I look back and I think on my 20s, You know for me my 20s were filled truly with a myriad of experiences right in my 20s i finished college Uh, i was in ministry here in atlanta doing youth ministry Uh, when i was 24 years old uh, i embarked on this journey to south korea where i would live there for the next four years and so i got a fresh whiff of you know culture shock even though i would i am korean or korean-american Uh, Going back to my motherland was definitely a culture shock in its own type of unique way. Um, From ages 24 to age 28, uh, I lived in South Korea for exactly four years and again just experienced a myriad of experiences out there, you know, from working to pain and heartache and just a lot of self-growth opportunities, if I could just call it for what it is, right? And the reason why I bring up uh, Korea for me in particular was actually it was really in my mid-20s that I found myself not necessarily thinking about myself more, but becoming more self-aware, right? And I think self-awareness really presents itself to us what I like to call through both highs and lows, okay? I think self-awareness really presents itself to us through what I like to call very high mountaintop experiences and also very low and valley type experiences, right? So what am I trying to say? I think um, when we succeed at something, right, success is really uh, uh, an example of kind of a high experience That is a catalyst for self-awareness, right? Because when you succeed at something and you realize that you really enjoy this thing, what's happening is that you're becoming self-aware. There's a greater wave of self-awareness that's coming to you recognizing like, oh, wow, I didn't know this was in me, or oh, I didn't realize that I enjoyed this. I didn't realize that I was good at this, right? And conversely, I think actually it's actually through pain, relationships. It comes through, you know, I would even say betrayal. It it comes through just kind of the, the difficult, darker parts of life that I would truly say even more so uh, presents us with uh, a catalyst for self-awareness. Why? Because through, let's just say, difficult events, what's actually happening is that For most people we're actually taking a journey inward you know whether it's a breakup whether it's a failed business whether it's a failed endeavor um, whether it's a mistake uh, whether it's hurting somebody you know I think it really provides us with this catalytic opportunity if taken to begin to look inside of oneself and really ask the deeper questions. And again, for the sake of this podcast, I don't wanna to get too much into my own story, but that's exactly what happened with me during my four years in Korea. When I think about that particular time uh, personally, it was honestly some of the greatest of times, and it was actually some of the darkest of times. And I think as I look back now, you know, so many years after the fact, I can truly look in retrospect And realized that, man, uh, those years were so formative for me, uh, I think primarily for those very reasons. And I do think that, you know, obviously having very tight-knit and trustworthy relationships, um, you know, for me, it was a lot of my Christian older brothers kind of in the faith, you know, just men that I love and that I trust very much. That, was able, that were able to really speak into my life in some of the darkest times for me that really gave me a perspective of myself that I would just like to say were very much blind spots. And we're going to get into all of this. So really kind of where we're going to go on this podcast is we're going to examine self-awareness um, through the lens of nature, nurture, and choice. And then I hope to kind of land the plane of this podcast with providing some real practical tools that I still use in coaching uh... that if you are interested and this podcast inspires you uh... i want to give you some practical tools that you can take with you uh, that i believe will really uh... only help you uh... on your self-awareness journey so anyways going back to kind of my story so after my twenties or sorry after that period in korea you know, I got married uh, when I was 27 years old and my wife and I moved to Kansas City and we were working with a nonprofit out there. And real quick plug on marriage, I would say marriage is probably one of the greatest self-awareness tools. Um, You are confronted with yourself in a very unique, dramatic way through marriage because of the proximity of relationship. And so definitely as my wife and I got married, you know, at the age of 27, um, really closing out my twenties, you know, both because of life experience and my marriage to Yuna, I think really allowed me to take self-awareness, um, to a much deeper level. And the reason, kind of where I'm going with this story and the reason why I'm sharing this is, I kind of want to just share this part quickly, is that through all of these experiences in my 20s, um, as I started to near the end of my 20s, and and I'm gonna share this story with you, particularly on my 30th birthday, I remember that day extremely well for so many different reasons. But I realized that I truly had kind of this mega epiphany moment uh, when I turned 30 years old. So I was 30 years old. Uh, we were living in Kansas City at the time. And uh, my wife, shout outs Yuna Han, uh, who knows me so well, uh, knows that I am uh, an introvert of introverts. And so she kind of let me take a good chunk of the morning kind of to myself And uh, so I spent the earlier parts of my birthday, September 22nd, just kind of doing my own thing. I think I went to like a coffee shop or whatnot. And anyways, I remember uh, that day in particular, um, just kind of doing a lot of reflection. You know, I think that's uh, one of the superpowers of introverts. And it's also one of our great downfalls. But anyways, uh, that day in particular, I remember just kind of journaling. And reflecting. And, you know, I think birthdays are great because they kind of serve as these milestones in a sense. And I was just journaling about, you know, what I was feeling at the time about closing out my 20s and now entering into this new decade of life. And as I was sitting there journaling and processing and reflecting and, you know, just kind of having that moment to myself, something dawned on me that was. I don't know. I don't how, know how else to describe it, but it was it it was incredible. It was like it was, it was kind of an amazing feeling, right? I think, yeah. So I'll just kind of share it. But in that moment, I basically realized that. I realized that I felt so comfortable in my skin, maybe to a degree than I'd ever felt in my entire life. The best way I can kind of describe the feeling and the thoughts and the, the, the moment that I was having was that I felt very secure. I felt like I was incredibly comfortable in my own skin. And I don't know, for me, that was just a very, very pivotal moment to realize that through all the ups and downs of that decade in my twenties that I had kind of arrived at this checkpoint, so to speak, you know, as I were, as I was now entering into this third decade of my life where I realized that I felt very comfortable in my own skin. And I realized that I felt very comfortable in my own skin because I realized that I was very thankful, comfortable with who I was. I had come to peace with myself. I realized who I was and I also realized who I wasn't. And I don't know if this is all making sense, but in essence, what I'm trying to say is I realized who I was and I loved myself. I embraced myself. I'm not trying to sound narcissistic, but I really embraced myself. And I don't know maybe for being a man or just even a human being but that was a very um pivotal moment for me to recognize that i had somehow arrived at this place in life i think both organically and intentionally where i could truly kind of move forward in this next decade no longer really feeling insecure about certain areas i wasn't questioning certain areas of my life anymore but it was almost like I just felt at peace within myself. And I realized that I could truly enter my 30s, truly being me. And I knew that I could be who I was because I recognized who I was. I hope that all made sense. And so anyways, um, later that evening, you know, my wife and I ended up going out to dinner. And uh, we drive back home to our home in Kansas City. And lo and behold, my wife totally surprises me. And uh, a good amount of our friends were kind of waiting there. And it was special. It was special for me. I still have photos of it uh, hanging on my wall. But, you know, it was just a, a great moment for me. And it really kind of felt like a personal rite of passage. Um, as I got to celebrate with all my friends and kind of welcome in this new decade of my life. So that's kind of a, a personal antidote, is really why I'm sharing that into kind of maybe sharing a, a personal testimony of kind of just the self awareness journey for me. And where I kind of want to go in this podcast now is really to try to give the listener, um, valuable content that's really meant to be kind of provoking food for thought first and foremost, but to give you some valuable content that I hope will give you some tools and also to give you a, a paradigm for your own self-awareness journey. So let's just dig right in. Um, So in coaching, the way that I like to break down self-awareness at a very simplistic, easy-to-understand level is I really break down understanding the difference between nature and nurture, okay, nature and nurture. And from a coaching perspective, uh, this is very important, right? So understanding the difference between nature and nurture is simply this. So as I present nature to people, what we're really talking about is we're talking about personal hardwiring, right? What is it about you that makes you not only unique, but how are you wired in your consciousness, right? Uh, Are you more of a thinker or are you more of a feeler, right? Are you more of an intuitive or are you more of a sensor? And this is really where, personally, for me, I I find that the Myers Briggs uh, personality assessment, personally for me, is very effective in um, giving people a tool to help them to understand their personal hardwiring. And so, examining nature is really that part of you, right? The nature part of you is really understanding your hardwiring. So here's a quick plug for Myers-Briggs. Some of, most of you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast are probably somewhat privy uh, to Myers-Briggs but for the sake of the conversation, let's just break it down. So one of the tools, one of the initial tools that I like to bring in coaching to help the person kind of identify and articulate their own uh, nature or their hardwiring is Myers-Briggs. So, Myers Briggs is simply this it's a set of four letters that is meant to be understood on an individual level, but actually uh, connected all together gives us even greater texture into your hardwiring. So, let's just use an example to make this down to earth. I'm going to use an example that I know very well because for some reason I end up coaching these types quite often. So, let's look at the ENFJ, okay? The ENFJ. So let's take a look at these four letters and how they apply to hardwiring. So let's start with the first letter. So you're either an E or an I. So E being extrovert, right? You're more extroverted or I being introverted. And the simple difference between extrovert and introvert actually has very little to do with how talkative or sociable you are. It actually has more to do with your energy source. Where do you find energy? For more extroverted leaning people, the analogy that we like to give is they're more solar powered, right? They find energy. They find this sense of life being around others. They enjoy that, right? They enjoy meeting new people. Uh, It gives them life. And for the introvert, we like to say that they're a little bit more battery powered, right? There's more of an internal source of energy. And this is why introverts, for the most part, like to recluse at times. They need their alone time because they're more introverted. There's an internal battery source uh, where that needs to kind of become healthy and filled up for them to now interact with the external world. Let's look at the second set of letters, sensor and intuitive. So this is one that kind of gets confused a lot, but actually it's not that confusing. So sensors typically are more interested, they're more hardwired, for physical physical, uh, physicality, right? So they're more interested in concrete things. Uh, Sensors are interested in the physical world. They are more prone to um, facts and data, and they're more in the here and now, right? They're very present people. Now, the difference between a sensor and an intuitive is intuitives are the opposite. Intuitives are more leaning towards understanding concepts, the intangibles, uh, concepts, ideas. They're more future-oriented. They're less kind of focused on the here and now, but they're more kind of in the future. Uh, intuitives are also conceptual thinkers, right? So they do very, really well at understanding kind of abstract type of things. So I hope you understand the difference between Sensors, a little bit more concrete here and now. Intuitives, a little bit more abstract and future-oriented. Now let's go to thinkers and feelers. This might be the most obvious. So again, quick disclaimer, to say that you're more of a thinker doesn't mean that you don't have feelings or feeling mechanism. It just means that your primary... Uh, mechanism for decision-making is thinking. So this is what this third letter set is really about. So for thinkers when they're making decisions, right? So the third letter set is about decision-making. They are a little bit more logical. They're a little bit more strategic. They're looking at data. They're looking at the facts. They're not as interested as how it feels to them as much as they're more interested, is this right or wrong? Is this left or right, right? Whereas feelers are more, let's just say, relational oriented, right? So for uh, d- different types of feelers. Uh, a lot of times, when they're making decision, again, it's not that feelers don't have a thinking, uh, a thinking brain. They totally do. It's just that they also rely on this feeling mechanism. So, typically, when making decisions, they will ask questions like, "Well, how will this person feel if I share that?" Right? Uh, typically, a feeler is thinking about more of the relational dynamics. Uh, When also making decisions, they are also asking, how does this feel to me? How do I feel about this, right? And so it's also incorporating values in decision-making. And so, again, third letter set, difference between thinkers and feelers. And then finally, we're going to look at uh, judgers and perceivers. So judgers are a little bit more closed, right? They like structure and they like order. Perceivers are a little bit more spontaneous. They like things to be open ended, right? Typically, this is why we like to say that most Ps or perceivers are not only spontaneous, but they procrastinate, okay? <laughs> because they do best under kind of like that last minute pressure. Whereas a judger likes things to get done in an orderly way. And they like structure and order. And one of the fun ways that I like to kind of discover this is I ask a series of questions about like, hey, if you were to go on a trip to like New York, or if you were going to take a vacation, would you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Or would you want to kind of schedule out your day so that you know all the things that you're going to do? That's just kind of a fun way to discover if that person is more J tendency or more of a P tendency. So now let's go back to the example of the ENFJ, right? So when coaching the ENFJ, really we're examining, you know, these four different letter types. So they're an extroverted, intuitive, feeler, judger. And basically what I'm doing in the uh, nature kind of discovery is I'm helping them to discover, oh, this is your energy source. This is um, kind of how you perceive the world. You're more of an intuitive and you tend to make decisions, you know, more using your feeling mechanism and you're a J. So you like kind of structure and order. And so from there, I usually take them through what we call in the Myers-Briggs world type dynamics. And this is where I always get the feedback. They're like, Whoa, I didn't realize Myers-Briggs had this much depth to it. And it really does. And so really when we're now going into type dynamics, we're really examining uh, their dominant functions and their secondary functions, their tertiary and their fourth functions, right? And again, for the sake of time, I can't really go into this in super detail, but in essence, type dynamics is really where uh, the individual will begin to understand even their hardwiring at a greater level. And this is super fun. I love getting the feedback. They're like, whoa, this is like crazy or this is like kind of spooky. And it's really not spooky. It's actually more uh, psychological science more than anything, right? And so all that to say is that that is really our nature, right? Our nature is really understanding kind of our hardwiring. Um, there's other tools that we use to help people to kind of articulate their nature, but in essence, what we're doing in the coaching process through the Myers-Briggs is we're just trying to help that person uh, find language and to understand themselves, self-awareness, to understand themselves at a greater level. And the beautiful thing about that level of self-awareness is yes, they are able to understand why they do what they do, but also at the same time, uh, they're able to now understand other people better because you start to understand not everyone is wired the same way as you are. And so this is really where I love to take Myers-Briggs, especially in marriage coaching and team coaching, is to help people to understand uh, who they are using the Myers-Briggs type indicator and then allowing that data to kind of breathe and, and, and letting them kind of see each other in a different light where they're like, oh. It's not that you're, you know, cold hearted and you don't have a heart. It's just the fact that you're more of a thinker. And so it really does provide more empathy and sympathy, which creates greater relational dynamics. Now let's talk about nurture. Okay, so if nature is really our hardwiring, it would be wonderful if we just said, oh, yeah, like this is just the way that I'm wired and this is a complete uh, uh, explanation of the totality of who I am, but really it's not. I would say just as equally as important in the self-awareness journey is truly understanding your nurture. So, what is nurture? Well, nurture. If nature is your hardwiring, it's kind of like it's kind of like the internal hardware that makes you you. Then your nurture is really. All of the external influence in your life from the moment you're born till now that has truly shaped you from an external perspective so let me give you some examples of what nurture looks like for most of us or really all of us so some typical aspects of nurture would be your parents right The reality is, is that for most of our lives, we are heavily influenced by our parents and our family. So family dynamic is a heavy part of nurture. Um, How was your relationship with your mom and dad? What was your mom and dad like? What was your relationship like with your brothers or your sisters? All of these kind of external to you influences also help to shape who you are today, right? I'll give you a quick example for me. I am a mega introvert, okay, but my older brother, Danny, is actually like an extrovert of extroverts, right? I always joke around and say, I think if Danny took the Myers-Briggs test, he'd probably score like 110% extrovert, right? But anyways, my point here is that when people meet me for the first time, most people think that I'm an extrovert. I get that all the time. People are like, they they get to know me a little bit more and they realize, oh, you're, you're a little more introverted than I thought. And they're like, man, when I first met you, I totally thought you were an extrovert. And then this is what I typically say is I usually share with them, well, actually, that's a heavy nurture for me. My older brother is an extreme extrovert. And I think just growing up with him, being around him, actually even watching him and learning from him. I just learned, I just picked up that extrovertedness from him and and it's kind of like a jacket that I can take on and off at will, so to speak, right? Um, Another quick example would be uh, my dad, Jay, no pun intended, but my dad is an extreme Jay. He is a very structured man. And by nature, I'm more of an INFP. I am an INFP actually. So I'm more of a perceiver. I enjoy spontaneity. But when my wife and I got married, she was like, dude, you're like, are you sure you're a P? Because you act really J sometimes. And as I really thought about it in my self-awareness journey, I realized that actually a lot of that had to do with uh, my dad's nurture in my life. My dad kind of ran our house in a very structured and orderly manner and so that's something that i also picked up so really nurture can be your family environment that's probably the biggest uh, nurture and then i think there's so many other external influences like culture right korean culture is an external influence american culture what was the culture that you were brought up in Uh, life experiences is another heavy nurture. Um, birth order is another nurture, right? There is a lot of psychological data out there of, uh, the differences between firstborns and and secondborns and middleborns and last child, uh, last children. Um, that's also another aspect of nurture. And so i think you're getting the general idea of the difference between nature and nurture right and for most people that are not self-aware all of that is really kind of combobulated together and they just can it's it's kind of like this most people who are not very self-aware can understand the behavior that they that they have but they don't really understand the roots of a lot of those behaviors. And so this is why uh, the self-awareness journey really is so significant. Finally, I want to kind of highlight one more thing, and then we're going to just kind of talk about um, kind of some practical tools that I think will really help you on your self-awareness journey. So the last thing that I kind of want to highlight is the power of choice, okay? So if you can understand who you are by nature, right, for me, I'm an INFP, but then you can also in your self-awareness journey, reflection, tools, all of the above, begin to learn and understand a lot of the nurture in your life, right? It's going to give you a more uh, in-depth and robust understanding as to who you are and why you are the way that you are. Um, and there's a lot of tools that we're going to get into on both of those aspects. But finally, there's this aspect of choice. Now, why is choice so important? Because again, if the totality of who I was, was just my nature and my nurture, which those are the two predominant kind of realities that are at work in shaping me to who I am today, uh, that would be awesome. But there's also this aspect of choice. And this is just what I want to highlight quickly the power of choice is really this. Not that you you get to choose to be someone who you're not. That's not the point that I'm trying to say, right? For me, I'm an INFP and I embrace and actually love the fact that I'm an INFP. I've made peace with myself, right? Um, I, I've gone through my seasons where I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was more like this or I always wish I was more like that. And, uh, and, th- and that can be good at times. But at the end of the day, uh, I've realized kind of who I am and who I'm not. But here's the power of choice. The power of choice is really powerful when it comes to development. If I was just this INFP, right, introverted intuitive feeler perceiver, like in a joking sense, I would just be reading books all day and thinking of creative ideas all day long, right? That would be like paradise for me, right? Uh, the, the, the the paradise day for me is like sitting at home all day by myself and just reading books, no lie, no exaggeration. But the fact of the matter is, is we live in a very real world, right? And uh, many times uh, we don't get to live in these complete ideal settings for ourselves. So here's where the power of choice comes. The power of choice comes when you can understand who you are your strengths, but you also understand what your weaknesses are. And the power of choice really comes in when we can choose. We have this power to choose to learn how to develop, let's just say, these weaker parts of ourselves, right? For me, one of the weaker parts uh, that I carry is really my thinking capacity, right? Again, it's not that I don't have the capacity to think, it's just in comparison to how deep of a feeler I am, a lot of the times, uh, the feeling can become stronger than the thinking. And so now I actually have a choice to be able to choose to develop, and there are many ways on a developmental level that we can actually do this to learn how to develop the weaker parts of you and for me it's my thinking so again I'm gonna give you some tools we're gonna kind of transition a little bit now into maybe just some tools that I want to leave with you uh, that I believe will help catalyze this um, self-awareness process and journey that we're all on so first and foremost so I'm gonna give you kind of three tools here and uh quick plug you know the full experience of self-awareness i don't want to say the full experience but i would say the very powerful path of growth is i think through the, the the process of coaching because you're getting uh real life feedback from the other side but that's just a quick plug on coaching not even just for myself but i would say if you've been thinking about it search it out. Coaching will do wonders, uh, I think, for just your growth journey. Now, I'm going to give you three tools that I like to use um, as I coach individuals. This is totally for free. So number one, first and foremost, would be the Myers-Briggs type indicator, better known as MBTI. Um, Again, a lot of us, just because of popular culture, may be uh, aware of Myers-Briggs, and maybe you've taken the test Couple times here and there. But I would say actually doing some deeper research into Myers Briggs uh, really, really, really will help you to understand yourself at a better level. It will help you understand your hard wiring. Um, another aspect of Myers Briggs is it, especially when you get now into the type indicator aspect of it, is um, you'll understand kind of the different cognitive functions that you have you will understand when you make decisions how you make decisions you will understand uh, why you get stressed and you will also understand when you get stressed as an individual every myers-briggs type has a unique way that they cope with or uh, express their stress so this is just highly highly beneficial on so many different levels i personally use myers-briggs when i'm coaching people individuals married couples teams it just does wonders i just i honestly can't say that enough uh it just is what it is i'm a believer i've seen the fruit it's amazing so i would say tool number one would be myers-briggs uh really as kind of a personality assessment i think if you want to get the full experience of myers-briggs find a myers-briggs coach and let them take you deeper i promise you it will be very very insightful tool number two that i would like to give is what we call a 360 degree assessment and this is real simple So one of the beautiful things about self-awareness is that we actually don't become self-aware just by ourselves. We actually really become self-aware through the feedback of others. I think this is why in marriage, most married people grow in their self-awareness because there's someone that you're living with on a daily basis that is giving you honest and real feedback. So I would say this second tool that I'm about to give you is really awesome. So let me break this down. So it's called a 360-degree assessment, right? And I'm gonna give you the real simplified version, okay? You wanna get feedback from about five trusted sources in your life, people that know you, okay? I would, Kind of give a recommendation, people that have known you for more than at least two years, okay? So you want to connect with people that have known you for a, a bit of time and they've really kind of gotten to know you as a person, right? Again, I would say five trusted sources would be a, a, a kind of a good number to work with. So what are you gonna do? What do you, how does this assessment actually work? Well, this is where I like to incorporate the SWOT analysis, okay, S-W-O-T. You can look it up on Google after this podcast to get a better idea. But basically a SWOT analysis is just a simple tool that highlights four different things. It highlights your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities for growth, and threats to growth, okay? So when I like to give 360 assessments and when I've done it for myself, I will find a handful of people that I really trust and people who know me and I will either email them or send them a text or um, or just ask them in person and I'll say, hey, I have a I have a favor I want to ask you, right? Like uh, I, I really feel like I, I just want to grow in my self-awareness, you know, will you help me? kind of by giving me feedback if I were to ask you to kind of do this analysis for me. More often than not, most often than not, people will, of course, say yes, because they love you, they care about you, and they want to see you grow. So really what you're doing is this, is you're going to give them a SWOT analysis, right? And there are plenty of printouts on Google that you can find. And you basically want to send them to every individual, right? And you want to ask them to do this. Will you take the time to write down what you see are kind of my strengths. What are what are the what are the natural strengths that you see in my life, right? And then you want to ask them what do you feel like are my weaknesses? And then you also want to ask them what do you feel like are opportunities for growth? What are some ways or what are some things that you see in my life that maybe I don't see more often than not we don't see them, they're blind spots, but opportunities that I could grow as an individual, right? Whether it's, you know, hey, you know, bro, I think that, you know, you uh, could actually work on a little bit more, you know, uh, building relationships in this way, right? And then finally, you want to ask them that final question. What do you feel like are threats, right? What, what are some real threats that you see to just my life and my growth, right? And again, the power of this tool is the honesty of the feedback, but it is also the humility in the vulnerability that you are uh, putting out there to receive that feedback. I could do a whole podcast on vulnerability, but I would say this is an amazing tool. And if you choose to implement this, I think you're gonna be uh, really, really blessed and you're gonna be really, um, yeah, I think you're really gonna enjoy uh, uh, just the feedback that you get. It's gonna help you grow. Finally, I'll give you one last tool as we kind of descend the plane here. And this is what I like to call simple life mapping, okay? Simple life mapping, all right? And again, I call it simple because what I typically do with my clients is kind of the full version of life mapping, but I wanna give you kind of the simplified version today. So really what life mapping is, is taking a few sheets of paper, okay? And basically what you're going to do is you're going to create a timeline of your life, okay? I typically start from around like age 10, but I've usually, I've even started from like age 5, okay? And really what you're going to do with every sheet of paper is you're going to allow every sheet of paper uh, mark five years of your life okay so just imagine for every five years of your life to where you are now you're gonna bring a sheet of paper right? and you're gonna put it down horizontally and then what you're gonna do is you're gonna just draw a line in the middle right so it looks like a timeline on every sheet of paper and then this is where the hard work comes in you're gonna have to go on this kind of introspective journey of trying to go down memory lane okay Again, um, this is just a quick plug, having a coach kind of ask the right questions is always the most helpful, but I'm just giving you guys some free tools that you can do on your own tonight. So what you're going to do is you're basically going to go through every single five-year period of your life, and you're going to actually try to think about what were moments that you remember in those five-year periods that were either moments of highs Moments of lows, okay? Moments of highs and moments of lows. And really, what you're trying to capture is this with the moments of highs, you want to try to remember moments, instances, or even seasons in that period of time where you felt like you were extremely happy, you were filled with joy, you were uh, filled with life, right? You felt alive, okay? And then at the same time, you're going to do the converse with the lows, you're gonna look at moments, instances and seasons of your life where you felt like you were in a very low place, whether it was a breakup, whether it was a failed business, even a failed marriage, whatever it is, you want to actually just get really uh, real with yourself uh, and you wanna kind of examine both, right? And so really what you're gonna do As you go through this journey and you do the simple life mapping, okay? And again, this is what I do as a coach, right? So I'm asking the right questions to uh, excavate the right data. And then by the end of it, this is what we're gonna do is, we're gonna take a look. We're gonna kind of put everything on the wall and we're gonna take a look at what were your moments of highs. And then we're gonna look at your moments of lows. And what we're actually searching for is we're looking for patterns. We're looking for repeated patterns, right? If you have a pattern of breakup after breakup after breakup, well, guess what? That's a pattern, that's a pattern, okay? And usually when I do this, there are so many crazy aha moments that people have. It's like, these are all things that people subconsciously know But it isn't until it actually is consciously articulated and examined that it really starts to make sense to people and so really this tool is meant to help uh, this is a really a nurture tool this is going to help you to discover different external influences and moments in your life and what you're going to search for is patterns and when you can identify those patterns again i'm giving you the simplified version you want to actually start putting a name to the pattern, right? You want to put a name to the pattern. What is this pattern? Uh, Fear of commitment, uh, fear of relationship, whatever it is. But what is the pattern that you see? And then you want to take those patterns and you want to examine for what they are. And again, this is how I would like to do it uh, in a coaching setting is I would ask the person, okay, now, what do you wanna do with those patterns? Do you wanna change, okay? And this is where now I also introduce the power of repentance, okay? Changing your mind. Do you recognize that this is a repeated pattern in your life? Do you re- do you see this, do you see that? And then we lead people through the power of repentance in acknowledging it first and foremost and then actually recognizing that this is not something that they want in their life. So that's what simple life mapping is really all about. And again, uh, uh, in in a true coaching setting, I think it it really does go to the fullest extent where, again, we're not trying to say that these tools are overnight successes, but really what they are doing is they are self-awareness tools that are making you become more self-aware of yourself, okay? All right, well, thank you guys. Um, This was kind of a journey, uh, but I really enjoyed um, recording this podcast. And I just kind of want to leave with a few uh, final thoughts that are kind of coming to me now. But some final thoughts I want to leave with you. um, As we understand self-awareness, and hopefully this podcast uh, really provided some valuable content in you not only understanding what self-awareness actually is, but even giving you some tools to kind of catalyze those things for you. But I want to kind of leave a few thoughts. Um, First thought would be this. First closing thought would be there is a big difference between self-awareness and self-consciousness. And I just want to say at the closing of this podcast that Uh, What I am a big fan of is self-awareness, but we don't want it to become self-consciousness. And the reason why I say that is self-awareness is awesome because it's a tool uh, that ultimately helps us to grow as individuals. But when it's kind of taken in an unhealthy way and when it's maybe focused on a little bit too much, it becomes self-consciousness. And I just want to Really emphasize that, that, you know, I am very unapologetic in my coaching methodology, where at the end of the day, uh, your self consciousness isn't going to produce lasting change. It is actually through your self awareness and your God consciousness, how aware we are of God, how conscious we are of God and how conscious we are of his thoughts to us, but also his leadership in our life. And this is really the practical reality of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit is actually the one who is sanctifying us and causing us to become uh, what God has intended us to be. And so i just want to make that very clear once again is that i don't approach coaching from a humanistic perspective but i do take a lot of these psychological tools and i really integrate them with true spiritual intelligence and i am very unapologetic about this true spiritual intelligence is our awareness and our living relationship with god It is God who provides the growth. It is God who leads the growth. And it is God who knows us better than anyone, uh, even ourselves. So that's kind of one thought I want to leave with you. And kind of the uh, the other and the final thought is this, is that self-awareness is a journey. It really is. It's an ongoing journey. We never truly arrive, but I I do want to end with this thought. And it really is vulnerability. It is vulnerability. Vulnerability may be the greatest prerequisite for a fertile soil for change to occur. The reason why I say that is this, vulnerability is humility, right? Humility is recognizing, oh my gosh, like I, uh, humility is recognizing that we are still a work in progress and we may not have everything right all the time, right? And there's still much to grow. And I think where vulnerability is very powerful is when we can kind of take the self-preservation and the armor off and we can kind of learn how to stop protecting ourselves so much and when we begin to invite others to truly speak into our lives and say, hey, what do you see? How do you think I could grow? Uh, I would say this reality and this choice of vulnerability uh, may be one of the greatest uh, uh, catalysts in our self-awareness journey. So I leave you with those final thoughts. And again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Nobby Design Podcast. This has been an awesome episode on understanding self-awareness. And uh, yeah, look forward to connecting more on future podcasts. God bless. Have a great day.